0: of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo Actually a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino dot com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, DW prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, eighteen plus. Chief, said Mike fiercely, shut up. Won't, said the chief amiably. Sally, this guy Mike Mike went pale. You're too big to kill, he said bitterly, but I'll try it. The chief grunted at him. Quit being modest. Sally. Mike flung himself at the Chief, literally snarling. His small fist hit the Chief's face, and Mike was small, but he was not puny. The crack of the impact was loud in the car. Haney grabbed. There was a moment's frenzied struggling. Then Mike was helplessly wrapped in Haney's arms, incoherent with fury and shame. "'Crazy fool!' grunted the Chief, feeling his jaw. "'What's the matter with you? Don't you feel good?' He was angry, but he was more concerned. Mike was white and raging. "'You tell that!' he panted shrilly. "'And so help me!' "'What's got into you?' demanded Haney anxiously. "'I'd be bragging, I would, if I'd got a brainstorm like you did. That guy Sanford would have wiped us all out!' The chief said angrily, between unease and puzzlement, "'I never knew you to go off your nut like this before!' What's got into you, anyway?' Mike gulped suddenly. Haney still held firmly, but both Haney and the Chief were looking at him with worried eyes. And Mike said desperately, "'You were going to tell Sally!' The Chief snorted. "Huh, You fool, little runt! No, I was going to tell her about you opening up that airlock when Sanford locked us out. Sure, I kidded you about what you're talking about, sure!' I'm going to do it again. But that's amongst us. I don't tell that outside." Haney made an inarticulate exclamation. He understood, and he was relieved. But he looked disgusted. He released Mike abruptly, rumbling to himself. He stared out the window, and Mike stood upright, an absurd, small figure. His face worked a little. "'Okay,' said Mike, with a little difficulty. I was dumb. Only, Chief, you owe me a sock on the jaw when you feel like it. I'll take it." He swallowed. Sally was watching, wide-eyed. "'Sally,' said Mike bitterly, "'I'm a bigger fool than I look. I thought the Chief was going to tell you what happened when I landed. I—I floated down in a village over there in India, and those crazy savages had never seen a parachute, and they began to yell and make gestures. And the first thing I knew, they had a sort of litter and were piling me in it, and throwing flowers all over me, and there was a procession." Sally listened blankly. Mike told the tale of his shame with a very quintessence of bitter resentment. When he got to his installment in a red-painted mud temple, and the reverent and forcible removal of his clothes so he could be greased with butter, Sally's lips began to twitch. At the picture of Mike in a red loincloth, squirming furiously while brown-skinned admirers zestfully sang his praises, howling his rage while they celebrated some sort of pious festival in honor of his arrival, Sally broke down and laughed helplessly. Mike stared at her, aghast. He felt that he'd hated the Chief when he thought the Chief was going to tell the tale on him as a joke. He told it on himself, as a penance, in the place of the blow he'd given the Chief, and which the Chief wouldn't return. To Mike, it was still tragedy. It was still an outrage to his dignity. But Sally was laughing. She rocked back and forth next to Joe, helpless with mirth. "'Oh, Mike!' she gasped. It's beautiful. They must have been saying such lovely, respectful things while you were calling them names and wanting to kill them. They'd have been bragging to each other about how you were. Visiting them because they'd been such good people. And this was the reward of well-spent lives. And you, you— She leaned against Joe and shook. The car went on. The chief chuckled. Haney grinned. Joe watched Mike as this new aspect of his disgrace got into his consciousness. It hadn't occurred to him, until he lost his temper, that Haney and the Chief would ride him mercilessly among themselves, but would not dream of letting anybody outside the gang do so. Presently, Mike managed to grin a little. It was a twisty grin, and not altogether mirthful. "'Yeah,' he said wryly, "'I see it. They were crazy, too. I should have had more sense than to get mad." Then his grin grew a trifle twistier. "'I didn't tell you that the thing that made me maddest was when they wanted to put earrings on me. I grabbed a club then, and, uh, persuaded them I didn't like the idea." Sally chortled. The picture of the small, truculent Mike in frenzied revolt with a club against the idea being decked with jewelry. Mike turned to the two big men and shoved at them imperiously. Move over, he growled. If you two big lummoxes had dropped in on those crazy goofs instead of me, they'd have thought you were elephants and set you to work hauling logs. He squirmed to a seat between them. He still looked ashamed, but it was shame of a different sort. Now he looked as if he wished he hadn't mistrusted his friends even for a moment. And he included Sally. "'Anyhow,' he said suddenly, in a different tone, "'maybe it did do some good for me to get all worked up. I got kind of frantic. I figured somebody made a fool of me, and I was going to put something over on you.' "'Mike!' said Sally reproachfully. "'Not like you think, Sally,' said Mike, grinning a little. "'I made up my mind to beat those lummoxes at their own game. I asked Joe about my brainstorming the plane. He didn't know what I was driving at but he said what I hoped was so. So I'm telling you, and—he added fiercely—if it's any good, everybody gets credit for it, because all four of us, even two big apes who try kidding, are responsible for it. He glared at them. Joe asked, What is it, Mike? I think, said Mike, I think I've got a trick to make spaceships quicker than anybody ever dreamed of. Joe says you can make a weld with powder metallurgy. And I think we can use that trick to make one-piece ships, lighter and stronger and tighter, and fast enough to make your head swim. And you guys are in on it." The black car braked by the entrance to the security offices outside the shed. It looked completely deserted. There was only a skeleton force here since the Platform had been launched three months before. There was almost nobody to be seen, but Mike pressed his lips pugnaciously together as they got out of the car and went inside. The four of them, with Sally, went along the empty corridors to the Major's office. He was waiting for them. He shook hands all around, but it was not possible for Major Holt to give an impression of cordiality. "'I'm very glad to see all of you back,' he said curtly. "'It didn't look like you'd make it. Joe." you will be able to reach your father by long-distance telephone as soon as you finish here. uh, I—ah—thought it would not be indiscreet to tell him you had landed safely, though I did ask him to keep the fact to himself." "'Thank you, sir,' said Joe. "'You answered most of the questions you needed to answer on the plane,' added the Major, grimly. "'And now you may want to ask some. You know there is no ship for you. You know that the enemies of the Platform copied our rocket fuel. You know they've made rockets with it. You've met them. And intelligence says they're building a fleet of spaceships. Not for space exploration, but simply to smash the Platform and get set for an ultimatum to the United States to backwater or be bombarded from space. Mike said crisply, How long before they can do it? Major Holt turned uncordial eyes upon him. It's anybody's guess. Why? We've been working something out," said Mike, firmly, but in part untruthfully. He stood sturdily before the Major's desk, which he barely topped. The four of us have been working it out. Joe says they've done powder metallurgy welds, back at his father's plant. Joe and Haney and the Chief and me, we've been working out an idea. Major Holt waited. His hands moved nervously on his desk. Joe looked at Mike. Haney and the Chief regarded him warily. The Chief cocked his head on one side. "'It'll take a minute to get it across,' said Mike. "'You have to think of concrete first. When you want to make a cubic yard of concrete, you take a cubic yard of gravel. Then you add some sand, just enough to fill in the cracks between the gravel. Then you—'